Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 92. Welcome back, Adam Antimaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you very much for tuning in today. Strange times, strange times indeed at the moment. If you are listening to this uh, as a rerun, so uh, down the road a little bit, uh, I'm referring to the coronavirus pandemic that we are currently in the middle of, which of course has provided a lot of uncertainty and discomfort in the last little while. For me, what feels really strange is that, you know, one day I feel like I'm overreacting, the next day I feel like I'm underreacting. We might not necessarily know someone who who has it or has been affected by it, and we can't really see it. So it is very hard to make these drastic life changes, such as staying inside all day, uh, working from home or not working at all, not being able to go see your friends, not being able to go to the store, not being able to go get coffee. But unfortunately, it has come to the point where we do need to do this. For me, the seriousness becomes more apparent each day, which I'm sure is uh, most people are in the same boat. Even just last episode, which was just last week, I had said in the introduction that you know most tours have been canceled. So if anything, we might do some local interviews. But uh, you know, even right now, even that's out of the question because we're all we should all be isolating at the moment. And I, I don't need to tell you the seriousness. I'm sure you're hearing it from everywhere at the moment. But I will do my part in that if you're listening and you haven't already, please do distance yourself from others that you do not need to be in contact with at the moment. It is crucial that we all work together right now. I understand as much as anyone that being at home for 24 hours can make you stir crazy or, or, or just bored. Uh, and yes, it will affect our uh, our social health and our, uh, our our mental health and our even our physical health. I'm someone who likes to work out five days a week, and I can't do that right now. But when you're feeling this way, when you're feeling bored or you're feeling sad, just think about a loved one in your family, whether it's a parent, a grandparent, aunt or uncle, that is, say, over the age of 65 and is at risk if they catch this virus. And just think of them and that you're doing your part to protect them. And our hospitals and our, our doctors and, and healthcare workers, God bless them, are working overtime doing everything they can. And we really don't want to run the risk of being low on resources and those professionals having to make very difficult decisions. And it's crucially important. You know, one thing that I've always found has benefited me in life is to have a positive attitude. And I think it's very, very important at this time to have a positive attitude about life because we will get over this and we will move on and life will go back to normal. But if we do our part now, less of those hard decisions will have to be made and we'll get back to life quicker and we'll be better for it. And we'll have a big sweaty high five fest at the end of it. Anyways, let's move on because uh, I'm sure you're not listening to this podcast to hear more about the coronavirus. And my apologies if you were bothered by the last couple minutes. So let's escape for a little while. Let's talk about some music. Music always makes me feel better. So like I said in the previous episode, we do have a couple interviews banked already. So this week and next week at least, we will have uh, the podcast scheduled as usual. After that is a little bit of an unknown. We might have to take a brief break until things uh, pick up again and we can schedule interviews again. So stay tuned. So this week's episode features Mike Hrinika, 
lead singer and frontman of the metalcore band Devil Wears Prada. Uh, I'm throwing up a couple horns with my my fingers right now. Um, Very, very interesting dude. Very chill. Uh, Knows a lot about a lot of different things. Excellent writer. If you're not a, a, a fan of metal, a very interesting interview anyways. I very much enjoyed chilling with Mike uh, on his tour bus right before their show here in Toronto at the Opera House, and glad I can share that with you today. So The Devil Wears Prada just released their seventh studio album back in October. It's called The Act, and I've actually got a couple of the songs from that album to recommend to you as part of the Adamantium Recommend segment, so let's do that next. So if you are new to The Devil Wears Prada, here are five songs recommended to you by myself that you could check out before or after the interview. So two songs from The Act that I recommend. The first is called Please Say No. The second is called Chemical. And then a couple songs I picked out from their discography, which is pretty tough because they have a pretty big discography, but I picked out the songs War and the song Worldwide, and lastly the song Sailor's Prayer, which definitely check out the video. I love it because it has Muppets. If you are a fan of The Devil Wears Prada, you don't need any of that. Maybe you've tuned in today to the Adamantium Podcast for the first time. If you have, thank you for listening, and we would love to have you back. You will also love next week's episode, and I know a great way that you will not miss it, and that is by hitting that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcast. See what I did there? Uh, <laughs> you can also follow The Adamantium on social media. We're on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, on Instagram at The Adamantium, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. That's me. So let's move on. This is a really long intro, so let's move on. Let's introduce you to Mike Kronika of The Devil Wears Prada right here on episode number 92 of The Adamantium Podcast. Please, please stay safe, everyone. Stay home and do all the things. Do all the projects that you haven't had time to do in your busy life. And take advantage of this time. And squeeze a loved one and listen to this podcast. And if you're bored, go back and listen to episodes you missed. And yeah, enough from me. Episode 92, here we go. Enjoy, have a great week, and we'll see you next week. here with Mike from Devil Wars Prada. Thanks, man, for taking a bit of time. My pleasure, man. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it worked out real good. Um, yeah, so we're here. Seventh album just came out in October. Congratulations. Seven albums is it's quite an accomplishment on its own. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting old, but uh, stoked, man. Stoked to be uh, back in Toronto gigging, and here we are. Very cool, very cool. So now that the album's about almost about six months, been out now, what when you reflect on the album, what are your what are your thoughts on it now that it's had some time to to be out? And you know, I, I think my idea of it is still a little bit developing. I think most of that just comes when you play more songs live. Right. And this time around, uh, or this tour, we're playing two more new ones, uh, two that we that um, seem to receive positive uh, comments online um, and, and compliments. So um, playing those and those have felt really good, and especially one of them, the thread. Um, so uh, the fact that, that that song people seem to know so well is still kind of uh, evolving or progressing my idea of the album. And, okay. Um, it all still feels really good, feels fun to play. Yeah. 
the uh, do, do you get do you read comments online often or do you try and stay away from that or I don't I, I yeah. with, with certain things I will but anything like Prada Instagram or Prada YouTube right I'll have maybe a, a hair and then I'll be yeah. reminded why to why not stay to. away yeah, yeah I know it's, it's <laughs> uh, how do you how do you prep for like a set a seventh album is like you've 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 done so much already how do you prep for a seventh album are you thinking what do we do a little different do we give the fans exactly what they love the most or a little bit of both or yeah i I think there's there's a hair there's a little bit of meeting expectations or meeting that which you know the fans expect or want to hear in prada but at the same time we've always been a pretty uh we've been pretty forthright about doing what we want rather than that which is popular opinion right um, at the same time, I think we became pretty complacent over the last few records, specifically. I think 818 was a, a misstep for sure. But, um, yeah, we we just sort of approached primarily John, our keyboard player, and Kyle, who plays guitar, really approached the whole writing process as, like, uh, a means of rewriting the book and going mm-hmm. about everything with a, a fresh perspective and um, trying to not make you uncomfortable, but trying to make you... Um, kind of battle against that complacency that builds up with okay. a number of years. Gotcha. Uh, you've stated that this album kind of pushes the boundaries and is kind of a make or break. Um, why did you feel that at, at kind of this point in your career? I think it's just the length. I mean, you think about folks' careers in in the spans of 14, 15 years, you know, not a lot of people are at the same position for that extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that music kind of gets you get so lucky and and it's it's a blessing to be able to play music you know and i think that some people just automatically assume that it's what it's like the end all be all you know right i think once you get into it you realize that there are a lot of um compromises to be made to to be a a touring musician so um yeah i I think that you know i i get you get even being in a different city, which sounds so hectic and crazy to a lot of people and exciting, can be just as routine as heading to the office. Um, so with that, I, I think that we, you know, this music and that which we created with it needs to sort of adjust our our perspective and our perception of what we're doing and and try to uh, really push the boundaries and see what we can do with the, uh, the capabilities of this mm-hmm. band. Okay, cool. Um... I think I, I read that there was something like 60 songs that were scrapped before the album was even made. Do you always write this much material, or was this kind of for this album in particular? Or No, not at all. No. We, uh, we've we always done the bare, bare minimum. Okay. Um, so that, that was something really different for us. Kyle, who wrote so much of the music, is someone that can cook up a song a day, and he's just always right. cranking at okay. it. So um, it's not to say that there were more demos with other records but there was definitely a much larger pool to choose from and there were there were actually highly developed songs and demos that ended up getting the axe rather right. than like usually if you know we start working on and working on it in the studio it will make the cut mm-hmm. um, which isn't really the best way to approach things so, right right uh, remedy that this time around okay okay do you ever think there'll be like a b-sides that that I, I the light of, light of day See, I, I really wanted that, and I wanted to try to make that a bit of an objective for the bands um, because I like doing limited seven-inch pressings and whatnot, right. and I would love to have that to offer. But 
at the end of the day it was like these songs like whether it's making the album or not these songs aren't good enough so why would we release them I think is kind of our common consensus or at least like how I picture it I, I don't think that any of the songs that we scrapped are waiting to be to come to life so was there much. any like my baby moments where you're like oh, I there was yeah, yeah. Uh, um but it, it was easy to separate, and I even took some of one of the songs that I really liked and put it into another song that kind of felt... Okay. Um, it could borrow the narrative, I suppose, or the lyric, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel a little too old to take things too personal as far right, as when okay. your idea gets shut down yeah. or, um, you know... We're, we're a very democratic band. If you're outvoted, you're outvoted. Okay. That, that's the way it goes. So It's like uh, Sons of Anarchy, the ta- take it to the table. <laughs> yeah, a little less formal. A little less formal and, and much wimpier of dudes. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, the, the song Please Say No really stood out to me. Um, I, I love like, the kind of eerie vibe to it. But also it's a song that you can kind of interpret, whoever's listening can kind of interpret their own way. It's got like a little bit of that ambiguity to it. What, what were you tackling when you were writing that song in particular? So that song is based off of a novel called Never Come Morning by Nelson Algren, okay. which is, uh, um, if not one of the most famous writers to come out of Chicago and uh, a writer whom I, I deeply appreciate mm-hmm. personally. And um, Over the last two records, there have been moments reading, as I like to do, that I'll just get certain stories and be like, oh, this is a, this is a song, like this... this can be evaluated and reconstructed this way to, to fit the, the Prada form, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, and there's a moment in, in that novel that is just so jarring and, uh, and violent that um, we are on tour at the time and I was just like notebook and like a bunch of different lines with it. And it was actually, I think, one of the most fluent songs we had as far mm-hmm. as like kind of had it and then it was one of the first we came up with and then by the end of it not a lot changed okay not that my memory's great a, a million things could have changed yeah, I yeah. remember but at least to my recollection okay very cool and you recently wrote a, a novel of your own yep so tell, can you tell me a little bit about about that yeah so I've, I've always liked to write I was always more driven to English literature really than much of anything in my life and it's what I wanted to pursue okay uh, in college and university if I but I got in a van and started touring instead right right um, and with that I, I've, I've published a few different projects I wrote a book about one of our records in the process I wrote a book or a short story about one of the songs and then I wrote or I may I came up with this kind of compilation of of mostly poetry that I released a number of years ago and then all of that kind of boiled down to this uh, sort of prose form um, just these exaggerated of counts of sort of day-to-day life um from from my world from a touring perspective but um a little fictionalized and exaggerated and um switch the narrative into three parts and there's a the second part is this uh this god figure and um yeah it's it's been about four or five years in the works and okay we're overseas in europe um december and as i was really trying to um, you know, just really crank it out and focus on it and get it done. I realized that I would put it off too long if I didn't say like by the end of January this right, thing needs right. to be edited and done. And uh, I actually did it. Sure I, I was a little late, but I did it. Well, I'm sure it gets a little <laughs> tricky too when you're working with you know 
band and you've got those deadlines I too. Can, and like, yeah, I can be easily distracted right, for sure. Right. Um, and it's a it is a three part series, I believe. So is this it's, the? It's a three part novel, so it's all in there. It's it's, it's not all, the like, all three yeah, parts are in the one yeah. book. And for those those listening that are interested, it's called Bullet Made Tambourine Book. Yes, sir. Cool. Um, what is there? Do you take a different approach when you're writing literature as to writing music, or certainly, is there similarities? Certainly. Okay. I think, uh, especially in the band world, we we've taken this so much more the melody and, and fitting that, which uh, complements the song, which is how music ought to be. Right. And something I just didn't uh, prioritize so much earlier in my career, but um, Prada Prada is uh, as you mentioned as far as like writing music and like you know do you go in and say this is what the fans want, like this is what the fans expect to hear, like. I think that's kind of what I've come to get to know a little better is um, that Prada does have a form that needs to be met. Okay. And the other endeavors in my life, such as uh, Bullet Made Tambourine, is is uh, the borders are made to be pushed over, or bent, or mm-hmm. realigned. Um, Prada is is a, a a certain circumstance and a certain form and gotcha. song. Gotcha. Yeah, so that makes sense. Um, one thing that that kind of pushed Prada to the next level was 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 Warp Tour, and mm-hmm. you guys did Warp Tours many many times. So now that Warp Tour is shut down, does it feel like a end of a, a chapter for you guys, like a end of an era in the band's history? Or I mean, the last Warp Tour we did, I ended up getting so physically sick that it kind of left me at a point where I was like good riddance. Okay. And okay. it's funny, like, we've talked, I've talked with one of Just our Just from, like, the tu- the extensive touring of it? Yeah, or? And, and me mis- mistreating my body as well. Okay, I right. Mean, you get older and your health starts to... Become more sensitive. Degenerate, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I always like to complain about it and the cir- the circumstances of Warped Tour and, you know, being in a parking lot every day and being hot and the catering situation just porta potties and yeah, right. no showers and um, I like to complain about it a lot but at the same time like it, it was so important to our career I mean hundreds of bands careers and right. I, yeah. it, more importantly it was a great experience for listeners yeah. that couldn't spend the 25 bucks to go to a show twice a week or right. even you know every other weekend mm-hmm. or something so very real means of American festivals becoming much like uh the European fests. Okay. Um, and I, maybe I'm speaking, I don't mean to speak uh, for North America's uh, part entirely, but maybe more so just America. But um, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of these big rock festivals. Yeah. Okay. So maybe that's the new one. Maybe that's going to be, <coughs> excuse me, uh, that's going to be, you know, phased out in a matter of 10 years. But right. Have you knows? already got your festival circuit lined up for the... We're not hitting any. We're doing one uh, later in the summer in Ohio, um, but this year we're not hitting a lot of them. I know there's like Carolina Rock Rebellion. There's another one in Ohio. Um, there's one in Florida. I think we we got rained out of one year. Um, you know the uh, knot fests right. all over yeah, the yeah. place and whatnot. So um, this summer looks uh, a little bit of downtime. Are you doing knot fest here in the summer? No. Okay. I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to. Um, yeah, we uh, had Corey on, on here. Oh, nice. Yeah, and 
He's a cool dude, man. Real cool dude. I've never really formally met him, but I've been around him, like, supporting Slipknot here and there. Yeah. He just seems about as down to earth Yeah, as super possible. down to earth. Yeah. Like, and, of course, like, they're so busy, it was like, I was on a hard time limit. Yeah. But man, like, guys, like, super easy to talk yeah. to. Yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, actually, I have a funny story about, um, before I even started this podcast, I did an interview with, do you know who Kevin Nash is? Kevin Nash. He's like he was like a pro wrestler from the nineties. He was an oh, NWO. Okay. Seven foot tall dude. He does all these movies now. He was in like Magic Mike and The okay. Punisher and all anyways. I did an interview with him for a magazine years ago and uh he was telling me about going to Warp Tour, uh-huh. and uh, with his because his son's a musician. But uh-huh. this was like at the end of his career, so he's like an older guy now. He's like in his fifties or maybe late forties, and he had like this long gray hair, and like he's, he's like seven feet tall. This guy, right? So he was telling me that at Warp Tour he was getting made fun of by young kids, and like who didn't know who he was because uh-huh. they're a different generation. And he's like, someone yelled at him like, "Who brought jacked up Moses?" And yeah. And That's a very like, warped thing. That, yeah, uh, and he said uh, he said he turned to his son, and this is why I thought of the story, because he said he turned to his son, and he's like, screw this, let's go watch Devil, Devil Wears Prada. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's sweet. So, yeah, so that was, uh, it reminded me of that one when I was setting up for this interview. And, oh, my and that, Yeah. So, Kevin Nash is a fan. Was this in Toronto? The interview was in Toronto. I don't know if where. Oh, okay. He's not from I was going to say, because when I think about Toronto Warped Tours, I think about we always open them. We're always, like, an 11 a.m. Okay. Yeah, slot. yeah. At least to my recollection, a little bit. No, but, it probably uh, was somewhere. Probably, I think they lived down in like Florida or something. Okay, or something. yeah, yeah. So, Good times. Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about Dogma Coffee. Oh, thanks. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, next next month will be our one year anniversary. It took us about seven minute uh, seven months to launch, but basically, uh, Prada did a coffee collaboration with a, an amazing roaster in Chicago called Metric Coffee. Okay. And um, I really hit it off with one of the the owners, Xavier, um, and he's just he's such a beauty, sweet, kind guy, and coffee mm-hmm. aficionado. Right. In the you know. Do you consider tanks. yourself an aficionado? Or? I don't consider myself the greatest coffee mind by any means, okay. but I I like to pride myself on what I call. And a part of, like, Dogma's sort of whole mentality is quiet quality. Okay. It's not rewriting the book. It's not creating the next cold brew fat or something. Right, right, right. It's about having a, a, a quality cup of coffee mm-hmm. and um, without rewriting the book. Okay. Um, so that's kind of where my brain goes with, with creating coffee. But um, anyway, so we did that. Fans were super into it. We didn't know if we were going to sell any coffee. Yeah. We thought we would be like... It's an interesting mix. You know? Yeah, like we thought it was, we, we'd be criticized as like hipsters and shit. So, right, or some, right. Sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to criticize. No, no, you're you allowed to whatever you want. Uh, so it went well. I hit it off with Xavier and then he approached me later and he's like, I know you want to try to... I've always had a knack for branding or maybe not, maybe I'm not good at it, but I've always really enjoyed appreciating mm-hmm. creating a look and... Um, I thought Dogma, and he said, you know, as far as like coming together and making that a coffee experience, we can do that together. Um, so yeah, we work with Metric Coffee, one of my best friends in the world, uh, who's done like a lot of the Prada album artwork and Prada merch. He graduated like the same little high school as me in Ohio years, or a few years before I did and whatnot. We've just always been really close and um, him and I are co-owners and he's everything visual between design and photography and I'm the back end. Okay. So, 
Um, the other part of the thing with Dogma is that we try to create collaborations and, and try to offer coffee to people rather than the more run-of-the-mill merchandise. Okay. And in so doing, trying to create a bigger culture and community around um, what we consider to be cool. Right. Um, so we've done one record label, we've done two bands, and today we actually just released the standalone bags for a, a guitar effects company. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, they, it's a it's a company called Old Blood Noise Endeavors out of uh, I think Oklahoma and they're awesome. I really cool, interesting noisemaker type pedals. I I also love guitar gear, so like right. I get all jazzed about that. So um, a friend connected us. We did it. Um, we created a coffee blend that they wanted to be described as interdimensional. Right. So we did this cool process um, using the same single origin Honduran bean, but uh, a wash process and an anaerobic process which is the certain airing out of the of the beans and it's a two to one ratio and it's seri- like it's just like if a blue M&M was a coffee is the way I describe okay. it um, but I really love it I'm really proud of it and uh, it's something you know it's it, we make no money at all but it's just right something it's to do something project. right yeah. So, and maybe in, at one have point. Have you gotten to learn about the brewing process? And, Certainly. I, I've yeah. learned, oh gosh, I've learned so much since uh, in the last 10 years and especially the last like three years of, of getting more involved with coffee. Um, but yeah, I'm, I've never like wanted to pride myself on being like the guy or like I go to three shops a day in right. every city and whatnot. Because right. a lot of touring dudes tend to be that way. But yeah. We've got a bona vida. You're in right a good here. area right now, actually. Too. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Um, shout out to Madcap Coffee. One of the dudes over there got us a bag of a nice Kenyan single origin, oh, which nice. we're brewing right now. But um, as well as Dogma Dagger Mountain out of Indiana. Shout out to those guys. Um, yeah, coffee does, man. Does being involved now make it like impossible to drink like Tim Hortons? <laughs> Or Dunkin' Donuts, Dunkin' Donuts, or Uh, Keurig coffee, like... (laughs) Oh, man, I think I'd take about anything over Keurig. Yeah. But, um, no, I'm not too snobby with it. If you're in a certain venue overseas or something, Mm -hmm. and it's a pot sitting there, I'm going to drink it. Right. Um, I don't, like, I mean, I'm Canadian, but I don't like Tim Hortons coffee. Tim Hortons is just so damn hot. Yeah. That's the thing, and I've been told that because it's so hot, you have to use the, the... little uh creamer packs because they're cool like arctic yeah okay. but i i only drink coffee yeah. black oh really so, yeah so n- none of that none of that noise for me right. but i i'm not about we to have talk i don't know if you've Tim, heard right right this. i've heard that like there's this i don't know how true it is but there's this like rumor that goes that is like everybody knows in in canada and that's that like everybody likes mcdonald's coffee now mccafe coffee and it's really? different here than it is in the states uh-huh. and the rumor is that because at one point Tim Hortons changed their coffee and the rumor is that Mick, McDonald's bought the old Tim Hortons bean so they serve the old Tim Hortons coffee oh. at McCafe yeah and it, the McCafe coffee is much better than Tim Hortons most people well I mean there is people who are diehard Tim Hortons people but I mean yeah yeah. I saw a, a McCafe border uh, a, a billboard yeah a buddy of mine here we just played hockey this morning which was awesome Okay. First time yes, playing I was going to ask Canada. you about. Okay. So, and I saw there was like a McCafe thing, but it's I mean, different than in the states. In the states, McCafe's I didn't think was that great. But uh, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to be rushing to go. We were talking. Yeah. A friend was talking about Starbucks the other day. I'm not a huge I, fan of Starbucks. I just I call Starbucks the best coffee at the airport. Uh, you're right. Yeah. 
So that's... I'm not a huge... It's too, like, it's... To me, it's too... Too, uh... Too dark, like, too... It's it's heavy. Yeah, it is heavy. It's heavy, but not... And it leaves me with a really, like, strong aftertaste. Right, and it's not gonna be like, ooh, peach tea or blueberry right, right, right. or, like, almond. It's yeah. just gonna be, like, chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the tasting. Like, you can't really go past that. Yeah. Um, which is a big, like, part of my perspective or perception on, yeah. on tasting coffees but i prefer that's interesting i, I might have second to cup which was like is the canadian starbucks but they're all like closing now oh really yeah a lot I of them heard are of that. closing yeah it's called second cup but it's like it's kind of like the canadian more upscale like uh-huh. step up from tim hortons but i think they're having problems competing with starbucks i mean they've been around for a long time but i noticed recently literally in the last six months a bunch of them have been closing that's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. But uh, does the name Dogma suggest that there are certain rules you should be taking in brewing coffee? or No, Dogma really, even though it's, it's sort of anti-spirituality by definition, Dogma mm-hmm. was a name that uh, sort of insinuated a certain spirituality about coffee. Okay. A certain ritual to it. Nothing religious. Um, but... Um, I don't know. I, I wanted that like moodiness, that witchiness. Yeah, yeah. Visually, we're doing. We love to keep pushing something towards, you know, Scandinavian type vibe and whatnot. Okay. And then a lot of dogma and what's so fun about it to me and, and exciting for Micah, my partner, and I doing dogma, is that it's such an outlet for a creative vision. Something else. Um, something different. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and coming together with different, again, cool facets mm-hmm. to create that vision, which like, I think two, about two weeks ago, we did a coffee with a band called Mismore, which is this uh, one man, like black metal project out of the Pacific Northwest. And he was really, uh, picky. I'll just go ahead and say he, he really wanted to have control of everything. And, you know, I'm not knocking him for that by any means, but like, it's cool to see a vision really come together. And you know, next thing you know, you've got these email chains that are 60 messages yeah. long, as far as like, and then at the end of it, you ha- you brew it, yeah, and you hold it in your hand, and it's just to me so deeply rewarding. Yeah, um, I think it's really cool, man. Like I always, I always say to people, I was like, I think it's very important to have something that you are passionate and involved with aside from your job you know your work and that, that that's what this is for me you know so certainly yeah. certainly it, it like hobbies are important and mm. you don't hear the word I don't even, so much like, I don't even love the word hobby right it right it seems like I don't know it's got like a dorky kind of stigmatism oh, it, to it you know what I mean for like, sure like, like if you have a like, hobby you collect it's like a trains, craft model trains yeah or something yeah, you know like, yeah but yeah like uh, I guess it is a hobby though um but I, I always think that's very important to, I mean, keep your mind active because mm-hmm. if you're just doing work, work, I mean, it's different when your job is also cool and creative. Like, I right. played the drums, but I could never get five guys to be committed enough to. <laughs> well, it, it, like, I don't know. When I feel like when you have a like a good creative energy and like sort of build up like a sort of potential energy mm-hmm. ready to be ready to be like expelled. Yeah, it's it's cool to to find different places to put it because for me it's more rewarding to then go back to another place right. where it didn't feel like you felt so motivated or inspired yeah, and you're to not do motivated you're not motivated monetarily either uh-huh. you know that's i just kind of yeah between like coffee and books and you know playing music like i just kind of hope that the mortgage gets paid right i've been right. lucky enough for it to yeah. have that's what I know. I always get asked because I also do. Uh, I'm a concert photographer, uh-huh. and uh, people always ask me all the time 
about that in the pod. They're like, oh, how much money do you make off it? I'm like, I don't make money off it. I just do it because I like it. Uh-huh. Know, like, I'm like, I have, I'm like, why do we have this stigmatism that you can only do things in life if you get paid for them? Right, you know? like, right. Like, like do, can we not, like, you like hockey. Are you getting paid to play hockey? Should you not play hockey anymore? Because right, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm not getting paid. I'm, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, like, like you just, are you just going to sit at home if you're not getting paid? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, anyways. But, uh, so yeah, <laughs> uh, I know you're a big hockey fan, but I was so confused looking through your social posts and stuff. I was like, I can't figure out if he's a Blackhawks fan, a Blue Jackets fan, or a Penguins fan. Like, yeah. Oh, no. Don't say like, that to me. Yeah, because there was, like, posts about everything, and I was like, it's not really clear. But well, see, like, and he lived in different cities, so. Yeah, so, like, on Twitter, like, I, I finally got into Spittin' Chicklets, and I'm pretty obsessed. Um, and a lot of their feed and the sort of respect and encouragement they put out there, it, it, it has a nice balance across the league and young studs doing great things in the game. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm cool to retweet a lot of different guys. Definitely, I, it, it will likely never be anything with the Flyers. Okay. There's been a yeah, few yeah. times I've tweeted nice things about the Flyers, but um, I'm from Pittsburgh and I'm diehard Pens. Okay. I so, thought you were from um, some, in Ohio somewhere else. I grew up in Ohio. Okay. I was born in Pittsburgh, grew up in Ohio. Um, I think I might have actually gone to Blue Jackets games before my first Pens game at gotcha. the Eagle, okay. way back when. But, like, my peewee team, some but, of the boys would like go But at the root, you're a Penguins fan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then I lived in Chicago about nine years. And when I first got to Chicago, I was like, oh, this is my team in the West. And, yeah. you know, they, they won... They won, I think, the first one was 2010, and I was like, yeah, it's wow. two like, pretty good teams, to be uh, fair. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then by the time they won 2013, the city, like, blew up for hockey so much. But it didn't blow up for hockey. Yeah. It blew up for the Blackhawks. Right, okay. And it's different. It is different. It's because these people think that these are the greatest players. Like, yeah, yeah. They have no, not even the slightest bit of an understanding of what's happening across the league. Yeah. Across the world in hockey. Yeah. So like, I I lost a lot of respect. Is it not a, a bit of, of the same fans. in Pittsburgh? People people dog on Pittsburgh a lot. People okay. a yeah, lot of right. people dog on Pittsburgh as far as like you have no idea. You only know your team. Right. I can't. Yeah. I of course can't speak for all Pens fans, um, but I I will speak to the um, like. I I think it it it's a really awesome electric scene. I think the team has done a lot for the city that's already yeah. that was built on the back I of mean, sports. Right. Um, we have that here too. Uh-huh. Though. I mean, the Leafs is like <laughs> you can write. And there are several books and films, yeah. you know, made just about the the history and, and there is a, just a Leafs culture rather than a hockey culture. Right, know? right, which, and like which is a depressing one because <laughs> yeah, well, as of late, we're waiting I mean, like fifty years, you know. Right. I mean, see with the Hawks, like, and I have. I have more close friends, I think, that are Hawks fans than Pens fans. Okay. So I don't mean to, like, totally, just totally shit on the Blackhawks mm-hmm. and all of their fan base. But, um, I mean, Toronto, I mean, I think Toronto, from at least my biased American perspective, is that it's just like playing for the Yankees in New York, you know? Yeah, right. Like, you are, hold to, you are held to a bar... And that's why, like, I was just having a conversation with a buddy in St. Louis um, about Tavares maybe being a little soft in the room and the rumors about it mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I don't think that conversation was ever happening when he's when he's an Islander, you know. Yeah. But when you play in Toronto, and like that, I mean, you have to give it up for like Marnie and Matthews and these guys that have held themselves pretty well mm-hmm. for again playing in like to me what I'll just quickly 
call the New York Yankees of hockey. Right. Um, so, I mean, I like watching the game. Uh, I think Freddie is a total beauty, but, like, the inconsistency is it's wild the, yeah. It but, is. It is. I mean, yeah. That, <laughs> that, that, I mean, it that's is. it. I mean, in, like, even I'm in terms of inconsistency, you know, Nashville's had a, a rough go this season, but they've kind of found it now in the back half. The the Leafs, though, I mean... We're desperate for a defenseman, you know, like, it's... That's kind of where the Pens are. I mean, Pens yeah. have lost eight of the last ten. Yeah. And none of those were overtime. Yeah. My soul's dying. Well, I mean, you heard you heard the big news in Toronto about a week, two weeks ago? Against... Was it uh, when they shut us out 4-0? It was, no, no, it was against, I think it was against Philly. We were losing 4-2. Philly's, both goalies got hurt. Their backup goalie. Oh, you're talking yeah. about Canes. Canes. Yes. Yeah, yes. David Ayers. David yes. Ayers, baby. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, it was the Hurricanes. That's yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. You heard, everyone heard about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like um, a record. <laughs> I, I was watching, it was so fun. That dude is just, it's awesome. It's kind I, of amazing, but at the same time, it, it sucks that it's your team that it happened to. That's like, true. <laughs> and I haven't talked like, to any Leafs fans about it. Yeah. And like the Canes, the it was Canes. It's the worst because he, he was wearing a Leafs shirt underneath. Yeah, and he's wearing the blue and white shirt. His blue and white mask and everything. Uh, yeah, I that, mean, what a dream for that guy too, though. Like, but we had a similar. It wasn't the same, but it, there was a similar story in Chicago. Um, what's his name? Scott Foster, David Foster. Oh, now I'm gonna get reamed for not knowing. But anyway, yeah, yeah the the emergency backup goalie, the uh, what do they call it? The e bug. He was, uh, he was yeah, a, yeah, he was a Zamboni driver for the Toronto Marlies. Dude, and he was like, right yeah. out there practicing with the Marlies again, yeah. like the next day, and I saw all the boys like chirping him. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it's awesome. I mean, it is. Yeah, it was great for the game. I hear he's going to be on Chicklet soon. Um, That's pretty cool. I mean, but for all teams, there was all kinds of like with. great memes of like him yeah. being on NHL twenty, the cover of NHL twenty. Oh my god! Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, the Canes are just so explosive and young. It's like they yeah. can't make any mistakes because they have like no veteran presence to. Like, but I mean, just launch shots. Of. Just launch shots. Oh yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a soccer player, and it's like if you know. It's 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 different for soccer, but it in the same it's the same. If you know the other team has a bad goalie, just take a shot from anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you have to give it up for that Caden's young decor. To yeah, yeah. Not let many because I think he only took. He made saves. Seven made shots. Yeah, or but he made yeah. he saved what's five or six. Yeah, so, yeah. It's still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. He's a beauty. Yeah. Anyways, the last thing I wanted to bring up before <laughs> before we wrap up. Recently, I uh, I adopted a rescue dog, and Congrats. one thing I was like, "Thank you, thank you." And I know you're very passionate about your dogs, and one thing I was like, I was wondering, like, I never cared, but I was like, I wonder if I'll take Slack because it's a very small dog. Uh-huh. I I adopted a tiny dog, and then I saw your post, and I was like, this guy's fronting a metal band, and he's got two small dogs. Yeah. So, do you ever take Slack as a as a metal singer about no your small dogs? No. No, I I, I if someone were. Was, I they I grew up with terriers, mostly Karens, which are the mm-hmm. Toto Wizard yeah. of Oz Toto dogs. Yeah. And uh, once I turned, I guess, enough of an adult to get a dog, I got one. Um, her name's Marge. She's about to be twelve in the summer. Okay. And then uh, after a while, she seemed kind of lonely, so I got her a buddy. Her name's Millie, also a Karen. So the two the yeah. two beasts they they have no idea how small they are. Right. Because they're just mine neither. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, well, and she's a pup. 
Yeah, so right now, like, I mean, she wants to play with everybody. She's uh-huh. playing with, like, Huskies, adult Huskies who yep. are, like, don't want anything to do with her. And, yeah. Yeah, they, they've got the personality. I know that they're yippy, and, like, I mean, if the dog never barked, I would like that, but they were bred that way, so I'm okay. not going to, like, punish the dog right. for barking, you know, but... Uh, Kyle, our guitar lucky. player, and John, they both have greyhounds. They, right. They haven't met John's greyhounds. I was going to say, yeah. Kyle's great, yeah. He's yeah. just annoyed by these two little rat things right, running right. around him underneath his legs, and yeah. he's just like, let me sleep. Yeah, I've been lucky but, that uh, way. Mine hasn't been too yappy. Mine's just... What's she like? Energy. She's, so she, we're not, I'm not 100% sure uh-huh. because she's, uh, she's a rescue, uh-huh. but she's got like... She looks like a tiny, tiny Rottweiler, almost. She's like got oh. She's got some Chihuahua in her. But she's like, uh, I think it's it's like a Minpin Chihuahua mix. And okay. She is, man. I can't like, I can't go a block without getting stopped because she's like the cutest dog. And she's like, when I got her, I could hold her in yeah. my hand. Now she's up to about eight pounds, but like, eight. still eight pounds. Yeah. How? Uh, what's her name? Kona. Kona. Yeah. Great name. If you like coffee, coffee. there you go. Yeah. Kona. So she actually, it was funny. She came named Kona. She was the rescue oh. had named her Kona, and. Uh, they were like she's a puppy so like you can rename her whatever you want or whatever and as I was thinking of names I just kept referring to her as Kona and then I was like it just stuck and I was like I like this name and it's different and I don't I like names for dogs that you wouldn't necessarily name a person yeah so it's it's such a trend to name your dog like our, one of our buddies, his dog's named Jeff. Right. He's yeah, doing, like, doing that one. I I, yeah, Millie, Millie was named Twiggy originally. Yeah. And I just thought of the Marilyn Manson bass player oh, or something. Yeah, yeah. I think that guy was Twiggy, right. and I was like, she's not Twiggy. Okay. She was supposed gotcha. to be Daisy, but that didn't that didn't fit. The other thing I didn't want to, especially because like, I still have, like, what if I, I didn't want to pick a regular girl's name, because I'm like, what if I end up dating someone that name? And it's going to get really confusing, you know? Like, yeah. That could be a problem. One of my neighbors... That's what I always find with uh, Amazon named their thing Alexa. And I was like, what if your wife's... What if I, your I've name heard, is Alexa? I've, I've heard like, a lot of... Compl- well, yeah. no, I hear anyone complaining name. about, like, their Alexa always goes off because the TV is always right. an Amazon commercial or something. Yeah, right. I, I, when I first... I moved to Milwaukee about two and a half years ago, and the pups ran out the backyard and they both have their collars on. Yeah. I'm not worried about them. I'm walking around our little neighborhood yelling for them and I met my neighbor Marge Oh yelling yeah. for my dog Marge yeah. which I was like, is that derogatory? Is that insulting? Yeah. Like, I have no Maybe choice because like, I was did already... Did you name your dog after me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. What's... Oh, I could go on forever. I could yeah. go on forever. Good dog names. Uh, my yeah. next one's gonna name be named Marty. Mine. Or, oh, Marty. Okay. Yeah. So we, we've got a real M M thing going on in our. our I household. was I was torn. I was my back. My name that I picked that I got was Logan, and then oh. I ended up keeping Kona. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. This is that's Kona. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Try to be cute there. I know. I know. She's <laughs> like. I know. I, that's what I'm saying. I can't go like. Oh my. Five goodness. steps without people. Yeah. yeah, Min Pin. I mean, her feet are kind of big though. She might. She's be got big paws. She's yeah. got big paws. Yeah. They said she probably won't get more than nine pounds, but she's six months now and she's already eight, so she Ooh. could. She could. Yeah. I hope so because I bought another harness and it's too big, so I kind of hope she grows <laughs> into grows it. it. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyways, Mike, thanks so much, man, for for doing the podcast. Have a killer show tonight. Yeah, man, my pleasure. Thanks Absolutely. for having me. Man.
Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.